Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show. Welcome. Truth, justice, and the American way are our hallmarks, our purpose, and assuring those American values are defended whether under assault from enemies foreign or domestic. I can remember a time in this country when we laughed at the idea of enemies actually within our borders. We studied McCarthyism and the red threat, and now no one is joking about America's enemies, without and within. They are real, they're clear, and present. We're in a Cold War, a clash between totalitarian states, whether Russia, China, or Iran. And in Europe, our leaders are talking recklessly and dangerously of an expansion of the Russian war against Ukraine. It's a difficult time and a dangerous one. And from within, what is an administration that leaves a 2,000-mile-long border with Mexico unprotected, wide open to millions of illegals who crossed that line in the first year of the Biden presidency? A president who, it can be argued, set conditions that caused Putin to invade Ukraine as the Biden White House urged Zelensky to consider joining NATO. But that's a discussion for another time. More proximate is the threat at that border, our unprotected southern border, the massive cartel corruption on both sides of that border, and a president who is oblivious to the obvious threats to our country. Joining us now is Colonel Douglas McGregor, retired Army colonel, decorated veteran of the Gulf War in Kosovo, and former Defense Department official, and welcome back to The Great America Show. So, Colonel McGregor, I want to start with the latest controversy in the left-wing media, that is, that President Trump wanted to launch secret missile strikes into Mexico to wipe out drug labs run by the drug cartels. And the, the left, their hair is on fire over this. Your thoughts? Well, Lou, this is uh, quite a revelation for the American public, but I can tell you from personal experience that Donald Trump recognized very early on in his presidency that our problems that are of great significance to our existence as a republic and a free people do not emanate from eastern Ukraine or northeast Asia. They come to us uh, from south of the border and the Caribbean basin. Uh, that's where our problems are. And uh, I, I know that he every every day uh, he would struggle with this issue of how many more Americans have died from fentanyl overdoses, how many more crimes have been committed against Americans that are drug related? Uh, and what do we do to stop it? And he was growing very, very impatient because there was, was no one in the Department of Defense who was remotely interested in protecting the southern border, let alone dealing with these very serious threats to our existence. I, I was stunned the first time I heard uh, President Trump uh, early in early in his administration, say the drug, the Mexican drug cartels are the problem and we're going to declare war on them. 
Uh, he yeah. was the first president in my lifetime to say anything about the drug cartels. Uh, meanwhile, we've had president after president talk about open borders and uh, you know free trade zones that tr uh, reach from here to Chile. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's amazing what he wasn't given credit for, what he was so prescient about. And for him to have the courage to even contemplate that, by the way, I really think he could have pulled it off. And I think it may be the only answer to the uh, narco uh, cartels, the transnational narco cartels who hide in Mexico and who infiltrate America every day to, to simply go after them with U.S. military. Uh, well, what do you think? Well, Lou, uh, I, I think you're spot on. And this was an issue that came up in my discussions with him. And it's one of the reasons that... Uh, we saw eye to eye on many things. First of all, no one wants to admit, other than obviously President Trump, that Mexico is effectively an organized crime state. If you say that, people are horrified to say, well, that's a racist comment. It's nothing to do with race. Uh, I don't know very many people in the United States who express any antipathy for Mexicans. I certainly don't have any. Uh, that has nothing to do with it. The truth is that Mexico uh, struggles internally with a government that, frankly speaking, is largely a facade. Uh, the cartels control facets of everyday life for millions of Mexicans. In fact, if you work for the cartels, depending upon where you are, they, they cover your dental expenses. Uh, they ensure that your children will actually get a, a, into higher education. I mean, this sounds strange to us, but it's, it's a, a, a natural sort of development over time that the cartels, as they become more settled and bureaucratized, uh, take over responsibility for the people that live under their control. And that involves millions of Mexicans. At the same time, these people are still involved in, in not just drug trafficking, as we know, is, is this business of human trafficking. And we absolutely do not know with any certainty who's coming into the country anymore. And that's a real danger to the to the public. And you would think after 9-11, people would be concerned about that. You would think, and you would think knowing now, when people talk about being anti-Mexican uh, or uh, you know racially biased against Mexicans, first of all, it isn't a race issue at all because Hispanics are white. It's that simple. They are European. Uh, yeah, they've been part, part of our country and part of our yeah. society almost from the inception. But what and, uh, isn't... one of the things that I always like is to point out, if you go to the Alamo, you find out how many Mexicans were at the Alamo fighting against uh, the Mexican government. Well, I, you know, a good chunk of this country is peopled by people of Mexican and Hispanic uh, heritage and descent. Uh, it's just part of who we are. People forget this is this country was a melting pot before we had a bunch of left wing idiots uh, talking about multiculturalism and trying to divide everybody. Yeah, they've done a very good job because the right in this country is pathetic in its responses. And if uh, everyone's afraid that they're going to be called a name, uh, I mean, we talk about the buttercups and daffodils on the left, but my gosh, we've got snowflakes in abundance on, on the right. Uh, we, I mean, I think of, uh, I think of Paul, uh, Paul Ryan, he, he was the speaker of the house. I, I thought the man was going to break down in tears, uh, whenever he got into a contest. 
Uh, we've had leadership that is so pathetically weak uh, and I think cowardly in the Republican Party that Donald Trump must have scared them to death. I, I don't know how many changes of uh, apparel they had to make every day when they were in proximity to the man, but it had to be quite a few. Well, the, the left has been working hard for many, many decades to replace John Wayne with uh, Tiny Tim, uh, who tiptoed through the tulips years ago. <laughs> and I, I think they've had more success than we care to admit. But, you know, the thing about uh, President Trump was he was very sensitive to this issue of national security and solvency. Yeah. And we've lost touch with that completely. The, the right is now as anxious to spend heavily on uh, defense for all sorts of dubious reasons, as is the left and vice versa. You know, right now we've probably, I haven't added it all up, but a friend of mine who tries to keep tabs on the, the amounts of money that are being invested in equipment and support and training for Ukraine says that we've already spent the equivalent of the Russian national defense budget on Ukraine. And that's, that's clearly insane. And the other part of this, of course, is when it comes to Ukraine, the, the question, again, President Trump raised the issue, we need a ceasefire. We need to find a way to negotiate an end to this. Well, of course, uh, Ukraine has been destroyed. It's been destroyed largely because we have prevented, we, with the help of our friend Boris Johnson in London, have prevented uh, the Ukrainian government for, from negotiating an end to this conflict with Moscow. And at this point, Moscow has no real incentive to pay much attention to it anymore. And the Ukrainians, are, are they're, they're, their infrastructure is being obliterated. When you look at the, the buildings in Maripol, uh, the outskirts of Kiev, even, uh, Kirkiv, uh, you name it, uh, city after city that has been just devastated. The number of lives, we don't have an accurate uh, casualty count from either side. But if, if what the Ukrainians are estimating about Russian losses in, in military, uh, it, it is, it's equivalent to just about half our losses in the course of a 10-year Vietnam War. Uh, I, 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 have, I have a hard time believing it is that high, but nonetheless, that's the estimate. Well, talking to the people that I trust that know more about this, uh, who are more familiar with the region than I am, I mean, my background is really in... Uh, is in Germany and German, uh, and uh, uh, secondarily, I would say Russia. I did grow up with Ukrainians in North Philadelphia, and I learned enough Ukrainian to stay out of bar fights. But uh, the bottom line is, I think we have a, a, a very skewed picture of real events on the ground in Ukraine. Uh, I'm hearing that for every one Russian casualty, there are at least four or five Ukrainian casualties. Mm -hmm. And that that has been true for most of this. I mean, right now, Ukrainians are, are either being killed or wounded in far, far greater numbers because, again, from the very beginning, Ukrainian forces were unable to maneuver against the Russians. Uh, they never had the mobility or the fuel. And so as a result, they've moved into these towns and cities. Well, you can sit inside an urban area only so long. And as Napoleon Bonaparte said, the enemy that stays within its fortifications is beaten. And the trouble for the Ukrainians was that they lost this strategic initiative fairly early. And uh, now they're simply sitting there taking a beating and there is nothing else that they can do at this point other than surrender. And again, if you won't negotiate, 
the Russians have to continue pulverizing you out of existence. I mean, anyone who thinks that Mr. Putin and the Russians want to kill large numbers of Orthodox Christian Slavs who live in Ukraine is crazy. That was never the objective. The objective was to neutralize the place, keep it out of NATO, and prevent us from establishing a beachhead in eastern Ukraine from which we could attack Russia, put missiles there that within a space of a few minutes could destroy the, the nuclear deterrent that Russia depends on, just as we have a nuclear deterrent that we depend on. Okay. I, so again, in retrospect, I think we're going to discover all of this could have been avoided. But in the meantime, the destruction is horrendous. Yeah. And it well, will we be know- decades before we recover. Well, it'll be decades, certainly, before Ukraine recovers. Yes. Uh, and, and NATO will have much to, to rationalize and atone for, because what the Europeans have done uh, in both <laughs> reaching out to Ukraine to join NATO, uh, infuriating Putin, uh, and at the same time going against standing U.S. policy for decades, uh, NATO policy supported by the United States, uh, and now with Biden wanting to make side deals uh, with uh, with those countries that want to enter, whether it be uh, Finland, Sweden, uh, whatever country, uh, this is just not an intelligent approach to resolving this conflict in the interest of the Ukrainians. Secondarily, oh, secondarily, Zelensky is trying to involve the United States directly, irrespective of what anybody else says. The man is trying to get us involved in a wider war in Europe with Russia. And and these idiots, and, I'm, I, and I am using that expression advisedly, in the military, in the U.S. military, and in U.S. intelligence who are talking about our signals assistance and our intelligence assistance in the, in the sinking of uh, the warships, Russian warships, uh, whether it is uh, the Javelin missiles and people keep, uh, you know, running off at the mouth about it. Uh, it's just sickening to witness. This is, un- at the very least, it's unprofessional, and it's just stupid uh, in straight talk. Well, the thing to keep in mind, Lou, and this is something most Americans may not realize, we talk about NATO, but in fact, NATO is Washington. And whatever happens, uh, the Europeans have become accustomed over the last 30 or 40 years to simply get in line and march along. They do that because they're happy to effectively let us pay for their national defense. And if you don't have to pay for your national defense, which is largely true for all of them, with very few exceptions, perhaps the French are an exception, but the rest simply don't spend much money on defense, then you can put your money into other more productive things. Uh, And uh, the Japanese have done that. The Germans have done that. Uh, So now all of a sudden in Europe, there is this growing feeling of, well, maybe we've made a mistake. And I say this because right now there's a lot of talk on the street about, oh, NATO will be with us for 50 more years. It's stronger than ever. That's not true. If you look at the EU and NATO right now, the first thing they've already said is that we can't honor your embargo against Russian oil and gas and energy. Can't be done. If they do it, they'll have civil unrest in the streets. Their societies, which are already very fragile, will fall apart. So I think you're going to see over the next month, uh, a growing consensus in Europe that this fighting in Ukraine absolutely must end. In other words, we're we're giving a war 
and telling our European allies to show up for it. And with the possible exception of the polls, and, and even in Poland, 60% of the electorate opposes conflict with Russia. It's only the government that is uh, terribly bellicose. Uh, nobody wants this war. They want it to end. Nobody wants another seven or eight million refugees pouring into their countries. Nobody wants the cuts in the standard of living. You've listened to, to Mr. Biden talk about, well, we have to be prepared to suffer. Well, nobody in Europe wants to suffer, not on the scale they'll have to. So I, I think this whole thing is really very destructive. I think it's tearing us apart. It's it's certainly putting a strain. It, when you talk about Poland, if, if I put it this way, if the United States loses Poland, uh, we're, we haven't got a way to, <laughs> to win in Europe because the polls are as aligned with U.S. policy as anyone in Europe uh, can be. Uh, with the possible exception of the UK. I, would you agree? Yeah, I think the, the problem with Poland and all the small countries in Eastern Europe is that everybody wants to essentially drag us into any conflict that they fight with their neighbors. Mm -hmm. And this is the problem with expanding NATO. If Eisenhower was trying to essentially neutralize as many states in Europe as he could, because he said, look, we can't afford nor can we maintain the armed forces required to defend all of these countries. So the more countries we can turn into Austria or Finland, the better. Well, he was right. We've done the opposite. And we've created this uh, enormous expense for ourselves. And we've also essentially said, sure, you, we'll back you in whatever you want to do. Well, that's insane. We're not interested in reconstituting the Kingdom of Poland or the Polish-Lithuanian Empire. Uh, we have no interest in that. And yet those are the things that are in the backs of people's minds in Eastern Europe. We forget that these people have been there for a long time. They all, they all have their petty grievances. We're not about petty grievances. We should be about peace. And NATO's real mission after the fall of the Soviet Union was essentially to prevent the outbreak of another war in Europe. We've taken it in the opposite direction. Well, our puppet president was down looking at a, uh, a facility in Alabama, bragging about uh, all the equipment that they were producing for the war against Russia in Ukraine, uh, talking specifically about Lockheed uh, Martin and uh, the Javelin uh, missile, which has been the, uh, just a superior anti-tank weapon uh, and very effective for the Ukrainians and very helpful. But the, the, he is parading around like he thinks he's... Uh, FDR and it's 1943. Uh, it, it is madness what this man, what we have in the White House is an impaired uh, individual who should not, first of all, be out in, uh, in my opinion, uh, too far from the, from the home well, where he's given great care and attention. Uh, he is the president of the United States, and I have never seen greater danger uh, as a result of the person who sits in the Oval Office. Well, you know from experience that uh, the neocons are always trying to turn every event into another manifestation of what happened in the 1930s leading up to the Second World War. Right. Uh, they pick anything you want, whether it's Iraq or uh, Afghanistan or anywhere else, you, ne you inevitably come up against this uh, crazy Hitler narrative that isn't imposed on it. And so this is what you're, you're hearing once again in Eastern Europe. It's nonsense. This is 2022. This is not 1939 or 40 or 41. 
And uh, <clears throat> we are not in the position to squander resources on some sort of crusade in Eastern Europe designed to replace the, the current president. And I can tell you that from everything I'm seeing, Putin's approval ratings and his standing in Russia are better now than ever. They're in the high 80s in terms of percentage. Right. And anybody who thinks if we can, if we can be believe those polls, if we can yeah. believe those polls. Yeah. And anybody who thinks there's going to be a coup over there is crazy. Anybody who tried to do it, it would be an act of suicide. So that <clears throat> that's not true. The other thing is that we're hearing a lot of things about this war uh, and we really don't know the truth. I keep urging people before you assume everything you hear is true. This weapon worked, that weapon didn't, and so forth. Let, you're going to have to wait and sort this out in the future, because in 1973, the everybody thought that the uh, anti-tank guided missile was the ATGM was the weapon of the future because it had destroyed 270 Israeli tanks. Well, they eventually did the research and found out that of the 270 tanks, 200 were actually damaged by anti-tank guns, not ATGMs. Right. So we, we, we go through this periodically. We have to we have to be a little careful. And unfortunately, though, as you know, the mainstream media loves this war and would much prefer to talk about it than it does to talk about the criminality in our cities, the drugs and human trafficking moving north out of Mexico. Those things aren't interesting to the mainstream media, nor is it interesting to most of our politicians. I would wager that we have lost more people, more Americans to drug overdose deaths, primarily because of fentanyl, than have been killed, uh, than Ukrainians have been killed in this war by Russia. Uh, it's, and we avert our eyes. We have, more, we have a border that is wide open. This administration, the Democratic Party, the Marxist Democratic Party, are pro-cartel. They're pro-sex trafficking, they're pro-drug smuggling, they're pro-human smuggling, and they are pro-illegal uh, uh, immigrant at the expense of American citizens. And we don't even know where they're being distributed around the country. This is the most arrogant, autocratic, authoritarian government in American history. And it is it, it should not stand. There should be a reaction. But instead... We have a national corporatist media that has uh, found something to play with in Ukraine, and that's exactly what they're doing with it. It's staged. Uh, it, it should be uh, considered as a staged event where everybody can put their correspondence, put their field producers, and uh, you know, report on the latest uh, bombing run by the, the bombardment by the by the Russians. And it goes on and on and on and. As you say, without a single overture from this president about peace, the secretary of state, the national security advisors, they're complete dolts. And I have no idea why in the world they are representing the interests of the United States, because they are abject fools. Well, in 1975, you remember everybody in Washington was chanting no more Vietnams. Then uh, in the aftermath of uh, events in Iraq and Afghanistan, people began chanting, no more Iraqs and no more Afghanistans. Well, <clears throat> now you would think people would stand up and say, we need to bring an end to this war in Ukraine that could conceivably spread and engulf all of, of Western civilization. And instead, you're getting the opposite. Uh, and 
you got to ask why, especially you pointed out fentanyl. I think our estimates are that last year, 100,000 Americans died right. as a result of just fentanyl. We, we don't even bother to talk about the rest of it anymore. Nope. And we don't even talk about how drug-related violence kills people on a routine basis. It's, it's uh, obviously the answer is always the same, Lou, follow the money. And I guess the, the money just is not in protecting the United States and its borders. Well, it's it's certainly not in the uh, the interest of the Marxist left party. Well, I should say it this way. It's not in the interest of the Marxist left puppeteers who are running uh, this puppet uh, president. No one in their right mind thinks this man is in charge. Uh, I, I define, you know, there will be a group of people in modern America who probably do believe that he's in charge. But the overwhelming majority understand what they see and uh, comprehend what he is uh, and how just uh, re- uh, just viciously dangerous this is to put that man in that position as, as leader of the free world. Uh, it, I, I can't even begin to, to, at this point, understand why we know more, or at least allegedly know more, about Putin's health than we do that of pres- uh, President Biden. We're, there's a story, it seems like, every day about cancer rumors. He's, getting a, he's going to the hospital to get an operation. He's also got Parkinson's disease. I have no idea uh, about uh, whether or not President Biden's ever caught a cold since he took office. I mean, there's a wall of silence around him that's extraordinary. Don't you find that strange? Uh, well, the short answer is I didn't vote for this guy. Uh, so I, well, neither I, did I, I. What, what, what can you say? I mean, I don't think anybody, uh, is going to claim that we've had 16 months or 17 months of, uh, extraordinary achievement under, under president Biden. Look at the, look at the markets, look at the, uh, do I financial have to? condition of the country? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, these things better than I do. So I, I, I don't know, except to say we are standing on the edge of the abyss. And I think more and more Americans realize it. I don't think people in Washington do. I'm in Washington frequently, and I've got to tell you, it's very much a bubble. People who live there are really divorced from the rest of the country. Right. So, so if you try to tell them what's happening in Iowa or West Virginia or Mississippi, they sort of look at you and and you you begin to wonder whether or not they even care and you know it's hard to believe that they do and that was one of the things that did appeal to me about president trump is that he very much did care but he was always fighting this enormous tidal wave of disinterest in the american people it's it's uh, disinterest in by the globalist elites yes it, it is this globalist impulse that is driving europe ukraine uh, and a good part of America, but certainly this administration, people forget that our elites in this country, and I don't care whether we're talking about the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, and their alliance with corporate corporatism, globalism, the, the reality is that we have elites in this country who have no regard for the national interest or for the, the, the American people. Otherwise, we wouldn't see uh, the, the treatment of our middle class, working men and women and their families uh, that we're witnessing. Uh, schools are just being uh, public education, which is the great equalizer in our society, American society. They've been dismissed by the teachers unions. They are now just a workplace 
uh, for unionized teachers. Uh, and in many cases, if you're talking about the NEA, the superintendents and principals and administration, it is a war on America. And it is that straightforward. And it originates with the Marxist left who's taken over the Democratic Party. Your thoughts? Yeah, and unfortunately, he's getting a lot of help from the uh, faux right. Uh, yes. The progressives are not alone in this. I mean, if you look across the aisle, who there stands up and really addresses these issues? I mean, you'll, you'll find an exceptional person like Chip Roy from Texas who does. There are a few. Occasionally, Rand Paul is another. But for the most part, the so-called Republicans are a huge disappointment. Yeah, and 40 of them signed a letter. Think about this. 40 U.S. senators, all Republicans, signed a letter calling for the no-fly zone, knowing, knowing that it was a red line for Vladimir Putin for war. That's how ignorant the right is. Now, compound that by a factor of two or three, and you get the left. Uh, but the result is, for the American people, this is a time to be deeply concerned about the quality of our representation. The so-called public servants are serving not the, not the United States. Uh, they're, ser they're serving some sort of mindless uh, objective that is fantastical uh, instead of patriotic. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, the, the solution, at least in part, is uh, to put an amendment into the Constitution. Of course, that's a waste of time. Nobody pays attention to the Constitution, I suppose. But nevertheless, put an amendment in there that says that anyone who votes for the use of force against anybody, having done so once the bill passes, in other words, once we get a, an authorization for the use of military force or a declaration of war, that individual must immediately resign his or her seat and be assigned to duty in the United States Army with combat troops who will be in the in the line of fire as soon as possible. Uh, I love it, uh, and that's exactly what I you know. I want to I want to see Lindsey Graham and Mitt Romney. Uh, well, talk about fugitives from accountability. You've just identified two of the most famous. <laughs> well, you you've come up with a terrific idea, which we endorse, and we're going to uh, we'll proselytize. Uh, Doug McGregor, we always give our guests the last word. And if you will, please, your concluding thoughts. Uh, I would ask everyone uh, who is concerned about the future of the country uh, to uh, take the trouble to contact their congressman or senator and make it abundantly clear that under no circumstances will you support the authorization for the use of military force against the Russians in Ukraine. Because as I'm sure you're aware, uh, this man Kinzinger, who is not running for re-election, incidentally, uh, has put forward a proposal for an authorization for the use of military force to uh, the president, especially on uh, for the use of nuclear weapons into the alleged uh, use of nuclear, biological, or chemical weapons by the Russians. And I say alleged because uh, I see no evidence for it. But it's the sort of thing that becomes a trigger that can be uh, automatically employed to entangle us in a fight, in a war, in a place that very few people in the United States can find on the map, and that is not our issue. Well said, and uh, I concur. And by the way, uh, you know, the, the sad thing is, if the Russians do have an advantage uh, in a conflict with the United States, is that Putin, whatever else you want to say about him, he believes in his country and he believes in nationalism and uh, is focused narrowly on their, on their uh, interest. Our leaders, we can't say the same. 
Doug McGregor, great American, great patriot. We thank you for being with us here on the Great America Show. Thank you, Lou. Thank you. God bless. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. And please join us tomorrow when our guest will be Judicial Watch's Chris Farrell. We'll be taking up the collusion of the Marxist-left Dems, this puppet president, Wall Street, and the globalist elites of the business establishment. And, of course, the corporatist media all working together to import millions of illegal immigrants and keep our southern border wide open at great risk and danger to the United States. Please be with us here tomorrow on The Great America Show. Till then, God bless you, and God bless America.